0: To another episode of the Caption Life, a podcast that covers how comics and pop culture affect life and society, and vice versa. From deep in the heart of Texas, I'm your host, Kevin, and today I'm joined across the rainbow fridge. Rainbow. Bridge. The, dude, where's this fridge you, at? Have you gotten some <laughs> snacks from the rainbow fridge? Right. <laughs> they literally come in every color. <laughs> across the rainbow fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, though. No. <laughs> Across the rainbow, b- <laughs> not a sponsor. Across the rainbow <laughs> bridge of friendship is my good buddy Sean in Indiana.
1: This is the way.
0: Hey, uh, don't before we get started. Don't forget to uh, smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption live If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out or tag us in your post. You can also visit us at www.podpage.com backslash live to find out more about us and where you can find our podcasts. Uh, hey, it's, uh, it's it's episode three of the third season of the Caption Life, so maybe good things uh, happen in threes. Uh, but today we're <laughs> going to be talking about a topic that lots of people love, and that is... The Mandalorian and why it's the best Star Wars. I I mean, I think it's the best Star Wars. It's pretty great.
1: It is. Yeah. I I know for me, like, it's really reignited my love for the Star Wars universe. Like, I'm not going to go into the other movies, but I feel like The Mandalorian has just done a great job. Like, Jon Favreau has done a great job with writing it and introducing it in a way where it's – where it connects people who are either lovers of Star Wars universe, like longtime fans and people who are new to it. And I think they've just done a fantastic job of of incorporating a lot of different elements of, of the Star Wars universe into this and, and being very successful. So, yeah, Absolutely. I love it. Definitely love it. One of my Absolutely. favorite shows out there.
0: And it, let me tell you, it's a game changer. I can point to two specific examples of why it's so um, important and and both important and refreshing is number one is like my family, we have a baby Yoda tablecloth now. (laughs) So like, it's like, it's everywhere in our, in our consciousness now, like the, the Mandalorian and and baby Yoda. But also um, when I went to my family's family Christmas on the, on the 27th of, uh, of December, we just, we were sitting around and and one of my brothers, which I have several, and I'm not going to name drop anybody because I don't want them <laughs> to feel special. But one of them, we asked one of my brothers, "Hey, had you seen the last episode of The Mandalorian?" Uh, and he was like, "No, I have two episodes left." And my mom, who is 65, was like, "You haven't watched the last episodes of The Mandalorian? Where have you been? What's going on? Like, are you okay?" Because like even my mom and dad are like super into it, and- right? and so it's it's across generations it's the it's the the glue that is holding our um society together now. Everybody loves the Mandalorian, but especially uh grogu the child baby Yoda. um mm-hmm. hey, but since we're going to be talking about Mandalorian today, the Mandalorian season two, uh and we're going to do a little bit of a of a deep dive into some of the the themes and mythology of it um spoilers uh a spoiler alert is is uh is due here so Mm -hmm. uh, i just want to let everybody know if you haven't watched all of season two you may want to uh go watch the rest of it come back and listen to this podcast afterwards um but hey yeah we want to talk about some of the things that that uh, the mandalorian does well um and uh, maybe does not so well i kind of like envision this as a a three cheers and and a jeer um but there's a, there's a, so much about this show to love, um, and but specifically, I want to start off with like the idea of um, that 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 the Mandalorian exists as what is affectionately known as a space western, mm-hmm. and he's not the first Star Wars character that you kind of felt like was a cowboy because I think that 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 also belongs to um, like Han Solo is very much um, right like a a, a cowboy character, um, but. I think it's very appropriate that we we call the Mando a space western because uh, it, it not only has a lot to do with how how his character has developed, but it also a little bit has to do with like the the setting being a lot of those dusty planets in the outer rim. So you always kind of feel like. Um, that he's, you know, he's a lot of times he's, he's what he's featured, like wandering into what seems like an old Western town, but it's just on a different planet in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah.
1: It's it's that unexplored Uh, area, you know, it it, it definitely has that Western element to it where, you know, when you think of the wild West, it's like undeveloped and, you know, the, the law is kind of rampant. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Or, or the lack of the lack of law.
1: Right. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah. lack of law. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He wears a
1: helmet and he makes his own rules. <laughs> Din Jaren is the Mandalorian.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, wow! Well, um, even
1: even the theme music is, has that Western feel to it, right? Yeah, no, yeah. right? It's
0: it's it's great. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um. But yeah, that's another point. I didn't even write that down. But you're yeah. right.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: so it's obviously heavily influenced by like what we know as classic westerns, classic westerns. But, um. Like also classic westerns, and to this extent, The Mandalorian is also very much influenced by like the old school Japanese samurai films. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the Mandalorian is fundamentally a lone wolf and cub story. Like, um, right? It's got some of the those those features from those classic. As a matter of fact, my favorite samurai movie is actually a modern one. Um, it's actually called The Warrior's Way, um, and it's the story is very similar because you know at one point in, in Star Wars canonical history the mandalorians and the jedi fought and were enemies and now you have the mandalorian caring for this child that has the potential to be a very very strong jedi Mm -hmm. Um, and in the warrior's way it's about two warring clans that are fighting and one one guy is the the main character of the movie is is, has to make the decision to kill a baby from the opposite from his opposing clan and he refuses to do that and then they he leaves with the baby they take refuge in in America um across the the Pacific Ocean until until um you know the the warring clan comes back to visit them it's a very cool movie if you've never seen it it's called the warrior's way but the the Mandalorian is a, is very much a um is very much a an old western a samurai film you know they've done the magnificent 7 thing where, like in the finale of the first season, Mando and Cara Dune and Grief Karga, IG Eleven, were having to shoot them to shoot their way out of insurmountable circumstances uh, to escape Moff Gideon. Uh, they did the the hired gun thing at the beginning of the second season, uh, helping the local sheriff, uh, um, you know, get rid of the, the Sand Dragon. And then um, they've even done the Great Train Robbery. One one of the best episodes I thought from this season was the was the penultimate episode um, where uh, they have to go into um, the enemy territory, and mm-hmm. they're on the big like mining car, but it, it looks a lot like a train, and they're defending the train from from the, the people who want to destroy it. Right. Uh, and, and it's really really well done. It it it, it I mean it just is a it's a classic western. And in, uh, in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, but the here's on the flip side of that is this, is that there's been some criticism for like, especially in that first episode of, of star Wars, making the Cardinal sin of like Crete of treating like the Tuscan Raiders, the sand people um, as like the trope of, you know, the Cowboys versus Indians.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And, and I, I, I agree. I see the, I see the, the correlation there. But mm-hmm. I think this is, I think this is a little bit differently because, um, a, though they're fictional characters, and we're not talking about like an exploit, exploitive portrayal of like indigenous people. Like, two, secondly, I said a, and then I changed the second. So <laughs> b, <laughs> b, those characters uh, they've been around for forty plus years, and it's not like what you're seeing now is different from like previous. Um, portrayals of them like this and this is like the most screen time and depth of character that they've ever ever gotten and then see their their make-believe and we're not talking they're we're not talking about like italians in red face portraying native americans like in the westerns of the 40s 50s 60s like it's it's science fiction and, it, and it's not real so um i don't know like as as much as that like aspect of the genre plays into it, I think that the, I think actually think that the Mandalorian navigated those waters fairly easily. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, you know, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. Cause I, I think on one end, you, you know, I, I see what you're saying in that. Um, is, is it a really just a replication of Cowboys versus Indians or is it, um, just, you know, some similarities that people draw because it's a Western. Um, and I, I tried to unpack that myself a little bit too, when I saw that, cause it's like, for me, it's like, it was, it was, it was stark, like staring me at the face. I'm sorry. It it was a staring at me in the face in terms of those parallels that they were using. And, and I've been, a you know, a strong advocate and, um, uh, have a very strong interest in Native American, American indigenous uh, people in history. And so I've picked up on that, you know, uh, quickly because of that. Um, I think, the, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I, I know you could do a Western without bringing in that parallel of uh, American Indians and how they're portrayed, especially in, in Hollywood. Like that, that's been one of the biggest... Um, criticisms that American Indians have had, or Indigenous people have had with how they're portrayed is how Hollywood portrays them, especially with the early films where they kind of show them as like this very singular people. When in actuality, it's very different. Right, um, and I,
0: I think that's a byproduct of of like the story is told from the perspective of the cowboys and never. From the Indians, and and that's the way that history is written. We just don't have enough creators and voices from from that um, that field in order to to get like a real representation. And like, but I think that that's changing. I think that we're we're evolving to where we're we're giving the giving them uh, giving other people a platform.
1: Right. I mean, def- I mean, And that was the other thing I was going to mention too is that you know there, there's a way to do to. Um, there's a way to portray and do a revamp of the whole traditional cowboys versus Indian uh, parallels by looking at the movie Avatar, right? I mean, that's clearly mm-hmm. that sort of thing where um, Earth, that, the people from dances Earth, dances with
0: it, dances with aliens,
1: right? Exactly, you know, and it's one of those things where um when you watch that movie it's definitely you know puts in a, in a better light and better you know viewpoint and under a better lens than what we've been going up with with the classic westerns i i think for me it's just it came down to did that storyline have to actually be there in order for the st- story to move forward or was it just capitalizing on the traditional uh montage of how people think about westerns and i think yeah. i think it just comes back to do they really need to have that in the storyline or were they just capitalizing on how people have perceived Westerns and that story and parallels. And I think they could have done that without having that element in there because it just came down. Like, you know, it could have just been that monster was terrorizing the town and they had to Mm -hmm. go in and take care of it. Like, I don't think they had to have that element in there in order to tell that story. And I think that's probably where people were getting upset with is that it didn't really push the narrative forward. I think it just, You know, utilize what people, um, popular understanding of Westerns included, which is that cowboy versus Indian, um, parallels that they're used to. Well,
0: I'm glad we've discussed this because you've helped me evolve my thinking even (laughs) a little bit on it. Because I, I mean, I do, that's like, I do, I do agree with you that like a certain amount of this is about the perspective that you take to it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like I thought I, my, my perspective was, was slightly different, but like I understand it now, um, like it, I understand my perspective, and I think a lot of people that were getting upset about it, their perspective um, is influenced by like their life, their life experience, or whatever. And right. and and sometimes we put ourselves into the story, or we want, or what we want to see about ourselves in the story. And um, like it's not, it's like I I already made my case. It's not like as offensive as, as things were. In, in in the past but i do see i do see the parallels like like it is a trope and it has been abused mm-hmm. um in, in the past and and could it but could have we could have we had gotten through the story without it being touched on again
1: right yeah and i i think that's the the main issue i had with that is that it just even though it's it's not like um which one look for? Even though it's not the exact representation, it's still a strong enough parallel in terms of you recognize what's going on in that. Right. You know, I, I think the fact that people are having that conversation tells you that it was something that people pick on what picked up on and they understand where that par- parallel came from. And and so when you dive into the story with that understanding, you already bring to that uh, you already bring to the plot before you even get into the story that sort of perception and uh, misconceptions and understanding that you're bringing to it, and then it, it just kind of you know brings up like you know are we just still projecting, uh, mm-hmm. or is this something that it's needs still, to be addressed? You it's know? still
0: 1719, and right. and the the first um, the first British people arriving in Virginia are savages, savages, <laughs> right? You know? Like it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a outdated, it's an outdated, uh, stereotype
1: for sure. It is. Yeah. You could definitely still, I mean, you could do like a lot of the Western themes without having to have that in there, you know? I mean, just like what you said, that was a great example of talking about when they are busting into the empire's, um, or the, yeah, the empire's outpost. And that's basically like a train robbery type of thing that's going on. Like, I think they did a, a good job of that. And like, there wasn't, I think someone could. You know, still tried to do that little trope of the people that were attacking may have been American Indians or, or anything like that, but it wasn't as blatant or anything like that. And I don't think, it, um, you know, that doesn't have the same sort of connotation versus how they set it up in that first episode where, you know, they had a whole storyline, like, you know, not just show to not, they didn't just show it, but they, you know, set it up by dialogue and everything. And so I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, the different take on that is that, is that you could definitely still do a Western theme without having to bring in that trope and to rely on those parallels to tell a story, you know? So especially, especially, you know, it can be influenced by, it, but it doesn't mean you have to include everything, which is, you know, the whole point of doing a Star Wars Western theme on this. So,
0: yeah. yeah. um, One of the more, one of the more modern uh, things that, uh, that the Mandalorian has tried to, um, tried to do. And I think, I think Star Wars is going to be at the forefront of this, of this movement where they're going to kick in the doors and say, Hey, here's, here come the ladies, um, right. is the, is the strong female hero. And I think that they introduced a lot of characters in the second season, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to Cara Dune who, uh, who are going to play a big role in, in what, uh, comes in the future for live action Star Wars.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh who's that other person? Ming uh, what was her
0: Ming, character? Ming Na is a uh, oh uh, Fennec Shan.
1: Right. And her then as well.
0: the Yeah, and then also um Ahsoka. Yep. And the She's getting other, her own series. Yes, and then the the other Mandalorian and I think the um I think Bo-Katan. the other Mandalorian, Bokatana uh those those two ladies will will I think will be will be featured in the future stories of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. because of the way um this the story with the dark saber plays out
1: right yeah i mean they definitely have to because yeah. the whole purpose of bo-katan going after Gotham mini uh is to get the black saber back and uh, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry the dark back and the fact that Mando actually you know beat him and now earns it I mean they set up mm-hmm. that whole conflict which is which is interesting because I did read a theory out there that said well in the previous version of like I think in the animated show actually somebody had gave Bo-Katan the dark mm-hmm. and it wasn't a duel or anything like that so I think someone was saying like this is kind of you know not necessarily um aligned with may- what's happened in the past but I mean in the series, they did definitely set it up to where this is going to, you know, come back, basically. Right. It makes for yeah. good drama. It definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: But it was, it was great to me that in the end, uh, in the final episode, you have this, you have, um, Din Djarin and you have Boba Fett, you know, uh, planning this, um, this in insurrection aboard moff Gideon's ship and and they are the only two male characters and there are twice as many um you know female characters mm-hmm. in- involved in that in that ultimate battle with the with the two mandalorians and Fennec shane and cara dune um like i think that i think that the ladies are, f- are finally getting their due um especially in the star wars universe
1: yeah well and they're definitely um, they did a great job. I forget which episode it is, but it's, it's the episode where you finally get to see Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. um, where they did a great job of juxtaposing not just that, but how women uh, juxtaposing women and men in terms of positions of power as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause Ahsoka okay, yeah. Tano. And then I forget uh, what her name was, but the, basically the, the villain of that episode, mm-hmm. how they squared off. And you can see that Mando is supporting Ahsoka Tano. And then the, villains um general who's also male is is supportive, mm-hmm. you know, so they're in more of those supporting roles in those episodes. I think yeah. they did a great job not just introducing more female characters as leading roles but also showing those positions of power that they have which i I love the fact that they did that because you don't want to get to that conversation of well, you put a woman in power, but then you know she's either she's a good person fighting a a bad, a villain male, or, you know, the female who is bad fighting the the good male type of thing. Um, because I, I think you can go back and forth in terms of those arguments and, and, you know, how does that get perceived and all that. But I think putting both of them in those positions of power, not only in terms of villain, but how they're being supported. I think mm-hmm. it was just a great way of being able to show that, you know, this is more based on the, this is more about the character of the people rather than, One's female, one's male. At that point, right? Which I think they did a great job of of thinking that through and 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 being deliberate with that.
0: And I think that I think that science fiction in general has been a really really good place for um, developing characters that fit somewhere female characters that fit somewhere outside of the femme fatale mm-hmm. and the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I know that there's a certain Group of individuals that that are that are fond of this <laughs> subgenre or this genre of of art and, and right. media that that don't like the the evolution that female characters are um, experiencing in the twenty first century mm-hmm. um, because they just like their their characters in, in to be buxom and in tight outfits but um, right. like there's there's just there's just listen it's the it's the new millennia they were, <laughs> like. Women are, are amazing, and they can do, um, they can you know they're they're due for for this type of storytelling. And I'm excited that that Star Wars is going to build on that, and that there's a, a female centric um, like show coming from uh, to Disney Plus in the next couple of years mm-hmm. that it's gonna that's gonna take that. Um, and and that leads into my my next point that I want to talk about that is great about uh, the mandalorian uh and i hope that the other stories in the star wars universe especially those developed for disney plus kind of continue to follow this trend and that is the the low stakes um conflict or the or plot because right the the thing that i hate about star wars like i love star wars but there's one thing that i hate right i don't get well, there's two things. One of the things is like they don't really touch on gravity in space. Like I don't know, like it's, it's a galaxy far, far away, but shit, it's still space. I probably shouldn't have cussed, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a galaxy far, far away, but it's still space. Right. And they rarely ever mention the fact that like out in space, there's there's no gravity. So right. everybody's like running back and forth on spaceships and whatnot. Nobody ever floats away, and that bothers <laughs> me. But here's what I really hate. Here's what I really hate. I don't get. The like as a as a person on Earth, I don't understand like the the grandiose idea of wanting all the power in the galaxy. Like the Emperor's character in Star Wars makes no sense to me. Right. Because what do you get from having to be in charge of everything except for more responsibility? <laughs> <laughs> what the Emperor should be doing is like that like I want stories where some like this is my favorite story. We got one job left, and we're going to cash in and retire, and, <laughs> and we're going to go live on an island. That's the best kind of story, because that's realistic. That's what people want. Right. You, you work so that you don't have to work. And the Emperor's <laughs> like, oh, infinite power. <laughs> and that just, it bothers me, because that just seems like there's no end to that. And, right. like, that was, I, I mean, I loved, I, I actually love the, the, the sequel trilogy, but I can't, I still can't stand it. Like, why is there a faction trying to dominate the universe like the universe is in the star wars galaxy is is enormous right like there there are people in this country that that don't see eye to eye and want to fight all the time even more so in the world that we have but they've like taken the worst parts of of humanity and expanded it to every corner of the galaxy right um star wars has a bad habit of of like we touched upon this with the like the Cowboys versus Indians things. Star Wars has a bad habit of making like the villains like more alien than human. Right. But Like the biggest villain in all of Star Wars, the Emperor was was definitely a human. Right. Like, and it's it's the greed, it's the corruption, it's the desire for more power that like drove his character and essentially the and the the Skywalker saga. Right. Back to my the point that I was making before I fell down this <laughs> rabbit hole is that the the Mandalorian plot is much more simple. It's about survival. It's about like getting the child to um, somebody that can train him and take care of him long-term. Mm-hmm. It just, it seems much more of a feasible, realistic story than some of the stuff that's in the main star Wars canon.
1: Right. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's, Really interesting, and, and this is something that you and I have talked about as well too with what they've done with The Mandalorian is that um, it kind of – it's his own little pocket universe inside the Star Wars universe and that it's definitely you know still tied to some of the elements of Star Wars. But it, they created a really successful show I think based around the fact that they can tell a brand new story in the Star Wars universe that's not relying on the traditional – um, light versus dark, Jedi versus Sith type of thing. And you still have like elements of like, you know, one uh, one extreme versus the other extreme. But I think it's a new story in that they're um, also being able to develop a lot more of character flaws that can help define and make you think and question. And, and you know, s- similar to what they're doing lately with a lot of the villains and everything is that they're trying to make it a little bit more gray as opposed to light and dark. And I think you hit that where like the emperor being like so bad that it's just like, you know, he's definitely bad versus I think you'll find out like Goff um, golf Midian, um, am I saying that right? Moff Gideon. Sorry. I keep flipping those constants. Sorry. Um, Moff Gideon, you know, he's definitely evil in this aspect, but I can see them developing his character a little bit more later on to have it be not so black and white, um, and develop some more gray area. And especially with what they're going to do with Bo-Katan and the conflicts she's going to have with trying to get the Darksaber and be able to have the rightful throne, the Mandalore. I think they did a great job of just being able to create a new universe inside the universe that everybody loves and that everybody, whether you've been a longtime Star Wars fan or you're brand new or you just love Baby Yoda, can all get mm-hmm. into. You know, So I think they did a really great job of being able to create that without having to ruffle a lot of feathers with it. Um, but I think you know, going back to what you, what you were talking about in terms of like the timeline and everything like that, I I did find it interesting that
0: yeah. So the the timeline is my is my jeer. Oh, gotcha. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So no,
0: no, it's it's cool. Like that's the one thing that I'm I'm most hesitant to get on board with because we already know that there's a beginning and an end to the, the Skywalker saga. And now they've tried to put these things in, in the middle and it makes you wonder, okay, well where was Grogu and in like, how did he fit into the story that's, that they've already told that, that he's, he's been omitted. The Mandalorian has been omitted much of the dark saber stuff has been omitted mm-hmm. and, and a, a wise sage uh, told me that like you just need to listen to Captain Marvel the universe is a big place and not every planet has the Avengers when <laughs> when you consider like the Star Wars universe that wise sage is my 11 year old son
1: right. um, <laughs> don't tell him that he's gonna be wanting no, no he's no, gonna no, want to no, no, be no, no, no. on the show all the time now <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll omit this from, from the episode
0: no but seriously like there's I can get down with that right I can get down with the fact that the that the Star Wars universe is a big place and so it's possible for these things to be happening concurrently and then their paths not cross but like i mean luke like if ahsoka is alive and luke is alive like we, we gotta figure out like that's not we gotta get those people to, to, together i mean right like she was she was his father's padawan and Apprentice, and then right. and then you know, like, there's just so much story to tell, and I, and I don't know. I I tell you what I do know. I do know that they will do a good job of explaining it all eventually. But right <laughs> especially now, especially since
1: J.J. Abrams is not involved,
0: <laughs> right? Well, I listen. I firmly believe that that Dave Filoni and maybe to some extent John Favreau need to essentially be. Like the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. I know. Yeah, um, I know that Kathleen Kennedy has been around with Lucasfilm for a long, long time. But if you look at if you look at how well the Mandalorian has been done over the last two and a half years since its inception and mm-hmm. and release and whatnot, it really kind of it really kind of uncovers the flaws with how poorly thought out the sequel trilogy was. Right. Right. And yep. Uh, I mean, I don't like you you gotta believe that they've got a lot of influence in on some of these other things that they're planning mm-hmm. like down the road. So
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, especially with you know Soka having her series and then the Book of Boba Fett. I'm sure the they're
0: Obi Obi Wan and, and Obi
1: Wan. Although Obi Wan is in a different um time period. Right. So I don't think that's gonna like interplay necessarily unless uh they somehow get, you know, Grogu in that. But if one. you think about <laughs> if you
0: think about the person okay, so like Obi Wan's Obi Wan's character in that time period, um, like the, the 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 series that did the most to develop Obi Wan's character, mm-hmm. like is the Clone Wars between Episode Two and Three, the the cartoon series that that, that took right. place. So there's no better person to kind of steer that ship as well as Dave Filoni because he was the person steering the the Clone Wars, right. I don't know. I I feel strongly about this. Like, if we want to continue to have good Star Wars, that those people need to be involved in every project. Yep. At, the, at the at the near top, they'd be like, mm, "This is this is good. This is good. Let's scratch that. This is good. This is out." You know, right. something to help just to keep everybody on track.
1: Yep, I agree. Yeah i I, I think that the timeline with have with them having connected to Luke Skywalker. Me personally, I'm actually okay with that because they haven't really made a whole lot of connection to the um, original trilogy, other than the Empire is still around in some shape of fashion. But they haven't really mentioned anything about Luke or Leia, or or even Darth Vader or, or anyone else for the most part. And so I think I'm okay with them making that connection because I think you know everybody wants that. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest; like I wanted, I don't know if I wanted Luke Skywalker to show up necessarily, but I wanted to see more of that connection of the Star Wars universe. And I think that was a good way of doing it because of, of two things. One, it makes a lot of sense that they're going to have Luke Skywalker do that when there's not a lot of Jedis out there to begin with. And Ahsoka already said that she wasn't going to do it.
0: And she's not a Jedi. She, and, she maintains the stance that she's not right, a Jedi. Right,
1: exactly. She's technically not a Jedi. And uh, Luke Skywalker having been trained by Yoda, I think makes the most sense for that. But the, I think the other thing that makes a lot of sense for them to do it this way is they can go in a lot of different directions with this now. Like they could, you know, bring it, you know, Grogu back into the Mandalorian, which I'm sure they will in some shape or fashion. Um, but they don't necessarily have to have Luke Skywalker in or anything like that. And I mean, because all Luke's doing is he's going to train. The child, and who knows like how long it's going to actually take to train the child? Like it may have not even take him that long, you know, because it didn't take Luke that long to train, and so they might do like a you know five years later type of thing, and so they take Grogu back into the Mandalorian and everything, mm-hmm. and so I think they go a lot of different ways with it, but without having to commit to what they just did by having Luke Skywalker be the Jedi to train, so that way they connect it to the universe, but they're not like locking themselves into where they're jumping the shark, you know? Right? So, yeah.
0: I don't know. I'm looking forward to more. I'm looking forward to like more series like the, um, like the, the Mandalorian and some of the other things that they have planned. I, I know Me that too. some of the fi- the films that they have that, um, I guess some of the films they have planned. Um, Rogue Squadron is one of them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really hope that one is is more in the in the vein of uh, Rogue One, which was which you know kind of. Um, Oh, I don't know the way that it exists within the the main story. The stakes, although are high, are not are not you know they've been the, established. Yeah, they've been, but they're not like they were in the in the the, the rise of Skywalker, where it's literally the fate of the universe, right? because the emperor is returning exactly so I, i like i like the idea that and like i said like i mean i i don't have enough thumbs to give the mandalorian um thumbs up right because they've they've done such an amazing um an amazing job at it i mean the story is compelling the action is is so well done and one of the things that i'm a big geek about is like how they filmed it like if you watched any of the um the behind the scenes stuff. yes and the technology that they've developed to um, help tell the story—so much of that stuff is just, just, just blows you yeah. away.
1: It's going to be the new Hollywood standard. I mean, right. that's exactly what they're going to be doing. Right. I mean, they're already think, been talking think, about that.
0: I think that they've done a really, really great job with like giving, um, giving other like giving different filmmakers a chance to direct these episodes. I mean, like Taika Waititi had directed episodes. Bryce Dallas Howard has directed mm-hmm. um, two episodes um even carl weathers directed the the episode that he featured prominently in this year and so you get to see a lot of different um you see a lot of different points of view you get to see um i mean i think the robert rodriguez episode is is was really good mm-hmm. it's a uh, i wonder how one of the things i thought about too is like robert rodriguez always directs things like on a shoestring budget right. like from the very <laughs> beginning of his career his first movie was shot for like 7500 dollars and um, he always does stuff with the green screens and, and whatnot to save money and I wonder if, if that the experience directing the Mandalorian um, like kind of changed his uh, like perspective or changed like picked up some things about how he wants to direct films in the future. but then also like what it was like to be on that set where like it's Disney funded and you your budget is it's, it's essentially whatever you want it to be right. And like, 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 what do you mean I can do this? But I mean, you can tell in that, in that episode, which was a great episode, like all the episodes were, were good. Um, that that was definitely a, um, that was definitely a, uh, a, uh, a, a Robert Rodriguez episode.
1: Yeah. Well, so. and, and I think, you know, with that technology and you and I are both, you know, huge video production geeks and everything and mm-hmm. that. That technology I don't think is going to change the budget necessarily. I think it's just going mm-hmm. to change the production process where everything's mm-hmm. going to be in pre-production and production as opposed to trying to make it work in post-production with the scenery and stuff like that. And so um, and so, I think it will be interesting to see. I, I don't think it's, they're going to change the cost of it at all. Maybe it might be a little bit more expensive up front to do that, but I think the cost overall might go down just a little bit. Um, But I don't think it's going to shift necessarily because I think they're just shifting the process because you still need the designers to create the world and for the engineers to be able to, um, you know, make it spin when the camera moves and and mimic that and stuff like that. So you'll still need those people. um, But I don't think it's going to change a whole lot in terms of the the cost of it, um, at least not significantly enough, I don't think so.
0: But I think... I just, the you know, with everything that's, with everything that's coming from the Star Wars universe, I think that even still, we will see more innovation based on the way that, that they, that they have, the, the model that they've set
1: right. so far. Right, right. Because yep.
0: every, every new show they do is going to be the opportunity to do something new and unique.
1: Right. So. Agreed.
0: So... Uh, yeah, so that's the that's our take on the Mandalorian. Like big seventeen, big thumbs up, Sean. Yep. Sean. In a previous episode, you gave Wonder Woman three out of seven stars <laughs> because of your warped um, your warped rating system. Uh, what What does season two of the Mandalorian rate for you? Uh,
1: Thirteen out of eleven. Thirteen out of eleven stars.
0: <laughs> the the number of stars has changed, and you've exceeded us. So I mean, yeah, we we love Star Wars. Yeah. I mean. Listen, what we're what, we're we're late thirties we're late thirties uh, white guys from the suburbs, right? Uh, it's kind of like ingrained in our DNA that we're supposed to like Star Wars, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> hey, so that uh that wraps up another episode of the Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, uh, give us a shout out and tag us in your post. You can also visit podpage.com backslash the caption life to find out more about us and where you can find our podcast. Hey, until next time, may the force be with you. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs>